Well, good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. It's good to be with you together to worship today on this uh, just beautiful day. So uh, before we begin our worship, I just want to uh, make you aware of a few things in, our, uh, in the life of our church that's happening. Uh, first of all, on June 11th, we're going to be moving our worship service from the gym here over to the cafeteria. Uh, we're doing that just because it's summertime. It's going to be a little cooler in there. We'll have some air conditioning. Uh, so uh, the the small the, the children's worship usually meets in there during the service, and so they're going to actually going to move down to the annex on the south end of the main hall here. So just to make you aware of that. Um, also, I'm gonna, uh, Taylor's got an announcement he wants to share. Hey, good morning. Um, you may have noticed this little insert in your bulletin this morning, so I just want to take a moment and talk about that. Um, you didn't know we had all these kind of tricks, did you? Like, we do inserts and, you know, like... Uh, so, <laughs> we're really keen to make sure everybody feels welcome to take part in these events that are going to be happening in the next few weeks. To set things a little bit in context, we've had some Bible studies and some uh, Christian education times thinking about uh, how Christians should reflect on culture. And uh, in the next few weeks, we have a great opportunity to engage with a colleague of mine from Wheaton College. His name is Matt Milliner. He's going to be with us, and we have his book. I'll just note on the back table, there are a few copies. And if you'd like to take part in the book discussion, you can take a copy. I didn't say that last week, and apparently people didn't feel they, they could take a copy. But if you want to, if you if you like a copy of the book, we've got some back there. That book discussion is going to happen next Sunday, and Ozzy Santiago is going to be leading that. If you don't have time to read the book, but you'd like to be a part of the discussion, that's cool. And if you sign up with our little registration code here on the flyer, on the little insert, uh, we can email you a short kind of synopsis of the book in, in an article form. So just to kind of just to kind of clarify, I'm available if there's any questions about this. Um, Matt is a colleague of mine in art history, and he's just spent a lot of time over the last several years investing in building relationships in the native Christian community, learning about the art and artifacts of our native Christian brothers and sisters. And so he put together a book and he's gonna be with us for a lunchtime talk. So if you're at all interested in that, you have questions, please grab me or email me. I'd love to answer those questions. But if you're interested, please let us know so we can get an accurate uh, count on our numbers. Thanks so much. Thanks, Taylor. Just one more thing. Uh, just after the service, we're going to be outside again over here by the, uh, the turf field. We're going to have our time of fellowship with bagels and all the good stuff usually there. Well, uh, as God calls us out of our work to come and to worship him, let's just take a moment of pause before we begin our worship. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 104. If you stand, we'll sing together.
wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to, to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground.
Let us pray. Father, we gather here this morning to declare your glory. You whose spirit hovered over the face of the waters and made light from darkness, who brought forth everything that springs up from the earth and yields seed and fruit. You who made everything that moves in the waters or flies in the skies above or creeps upon the earth. And you who made us in your image 
to share in your life and your love and care for your, for your good creation. Father, our hearts grow weary as we look upon this world and see the myriad ways that we who bear your image are disfigured, authority corrupted, and your creation marred. Some of us here this morning are on the road and you need you to shade. They need the shade of your cloud by day and the light of your fire by night. Others of us need the comfort of your still small voice. Still others are wrestling with you and will not let go until you make yourself known to us. Father, we long for your presence. For those of us whose bodies are bowed by illness, we pray for healing and restoration. For those of us in our midst who lack food and shelter, we pray for your provision. For those who suffer under the weight of injustice in this world and fear of violence, we pray for deliverance. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, Lord, meet us here by your spirit. Give us eyes to see the wonder of your creation more clearly, wisdom to see ourselves more truly, and hearts to see one another more faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are dismissed for children's worship. We will now continue through a time of um, confession. We will first do, th do so corporately and then do so um, through song and have a time for silent personal confession. Almighty God, who sent the promised power of the Holy Spirit to fill disciples with willing faith, we confess that we resist the work of your spirit among us, that we are slow to serve you and reluctant to spread the good news of your love. God, have mercy on us. Forgive our divisions and by your spirit draw us together. Inflame us with a desire to do your will and be your faithful people in the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, amen. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see him dying on the tree. Christ the man by man rejected, yes, my soul, tis he, tis he, tis the Lord. I see sufficient of it, tis the true and a faithful Tell me who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like his? Runs through fear, his cause disowning, foes and souls.
silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that you are our redeemer, that when you call up that when we call upon you, you blot out our transgressions and remember our sins no more. In Jesus' name we pray. Please stand for the words of assurance. When we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in Christ, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, marking us as God's own and guaranteeing we receive all that God has promised. Um, just as we, as we have been welcomed, let us welcome one another.
The Old Testament lesson is from Numbers 11, verses 24 to 30. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran out and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. The gospel lesson is from John 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Thank you, Natalie, for reading God's word. Well, this is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and it's the day that the, the church remembers and celebrates that 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, uh, 
He kept his promise. He kept his promise to send his spirit to his followers. And so we're going to look at Luke's account of that day in Acts chapter 2. So let's turn together there to Acts 2 verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitudes came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are, are not all these, these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that, that we hear each of us in his own language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Progeria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Well, this is God's word is given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that uh, you would use this word, use this word that we've read and heard together and by the power of your spirit, use this word to speak to us again to lead us to Jesus, that you would show us his grace, and as a people, that you would change us by it. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, here's how uh, Luke starts the story. He starts by saying, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And those are really important details, and they're important first because it means that these first Christians, they took Jesus seriously. And they were being faithful to what he asked them to do. They were together in one place. Now, if we go back in the text to Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascended, he told his followers that, that they had one job. They had one job for the time being, and that job was to hang out in Jerusalem and wait. Their job was to wait. <laughs> and he didn't tell them how long they were going to need to wait. He just told them to wait. And that is what they had been doing for like the last 10 days. They're just waiting. Now, I don't know how that sounds to you. I have to say that doesn't sound like the most thrilling of a plan. To be honest, it doesn't sound like the most useful thing to do with your time to, to kind of just sit and wait and pray and be quiet. Right, stop running around, stop doing, and just be, and be quiet, and wait, and pray. <laughs> and I think the reason that it doesn't sound like the most thrilling thing to me, or the most useful thing, and to whatever extent that's how it sounds to you, I think that the, the reason is because we are surrounded, we're surrounded by that mostly unspoken rhythm 
of our culture that says that people who matter <laughs> are people who run around and do a bunch of really important things. We like to think about, we like to think that about ourselves and maybe even more tellingly, we, we really want other people to think that about us. And so maybe this is one of the things that Pentecost, it means for people like us. It begins as good news for tired people. And I don't know, I, I don't know why Jesus asked them to wait. I don't know what, what the role, what role that played in the grand scheme of things. I just know that he asked them to wait. And I know again and again in the Gospels, you see Jesus, this in Jesus' life. And as, and as busy as his life was, he was incredibly busy, incredibly active. He took time to just stop doing and to be and to pray and to listen and to wait. And if that was essential for Jesus' life to live, to, for his, his life, to, for the life that he lived, I mean, we can be certain that it is essential for people like us too, right? And if stopping and just being and listening and waiting and praying, if that sounds like the kind of exotic or, or a foreign thing to you, right? If it's been a long time since you've ever done anything like that, it'll probably be good to hear Jesus' word, right? Wait. So that's, that's what they're doing. <laughs> there are about 120 of them. And they were all gathered in just one place, just hanging out, waiting and praying. And then the day of Pentecost, it rolls around and, and their waiting is about to end. And it's going to end in spectacular fashion. <laughs> now, now, Pentecost was one of the three big annual agricultural festivals for God's people. Pilgrims from all over uh, would stream into Jerusalem to offer the first fruits of their grain harvest to God in the temple. And they did this as a way of first expressing gratitude to God for his faithfulness up to that point, for giving them the first fruits, right? And it was also a way for them to humbly pray that, that God would continue in this faithfulness and blessing as they rest, as the rest of the harvest came in. So that's what they were there for. All of those pilgrims in Jerusalem, that, that's the day. And, and Luke tells us, that, tells us this is what happened, right? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, of, uh, sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And I don't know if this is what they expected. I don't, I don't know if this is what they thought they were waiting for, but this is what they got. <laughs> and it would have been incredibly strange and unsettling and exciting, right, to experience this moment. And I don't know if you noticed this, as I read it, that Luke doesn't really have the exact words to be able to describe what happened. But he resorts to analogy. He, he It wasn't a mighty wind. He says it was like, like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't exactly fire that rested on them. Whatever they saw was as of fire. Something miraculous, something completely otherworldly, something outside of their experiences happening to them, and they could have and they couldn't have manufactured it on their own. God was doing this, and they knew it was God doing this. And one of the reasons that they knew it 
was because this was not without precedent. Right? A lot of times in scripture, when God appears to his people, it would be in ways like this, right? He comes to Moses in a burning bush. He leads his people with a pillar of fire and cloud. Isaiah has this vision of God that is all smoke and fire and quaking. Three of those people in that room had already experienced something like this, right? When they went up on the mountain with Jesus and they saw him transfigured, saw who he really was. Peter was there and he freaks out when that happens. And that's not unusual, right? It's, it's often what happens in these moments that, that people would find it terrifying and unbearable. But there's a big difference with what happened that morning that breaks from the precedent. And it, it's really important, I think, for us to consider, right, that, that is that they are not terrified. They are not overcome. They do not find it unbearable. In fact, they are filled with this incredible joy. They're filled with incredible power. Later on, Luke will describe this group of people as people who are filled with awe, people who have glad and generous hearts. And I think there are a lot of reasons for this, right? but the, the one I want us to think about this morning is tied to what Jesus said to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. Look, he said, I'm going away, and you're going to have to let me go, but it's going to be okay. As bad as it sounds, this is actually going to be good for you. And Jesus says it like this, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. And this becomes in scripture and in the New Testament, one of the most important ways that scripture writers talk about the work of the spirit. Paul does this in Romans chapter eight, that the apostle Paul says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. That we have the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that's at least one of the reasons these people are not terrified that morning. Because they were experiencing, maybe for the first time in their lives, the, the love of God the Father in a way that they had never experienced before. And friends, that is one of the things that the Spirit does for everyone that is a Christian. He pours the love of God into our hearts. And he convinces us that we really are God's children, loved to the end, no matter what. And I often think of this in personal terms. Right? My children know that I am their father. It's this indisputable legal fact. They can look it up on their birth certificate. <laughs> My name's listed on the birth certificate as father. That's one thing. But when I grab them and I hold them close and I tell them that I love them and act towards them for their good and that I'm for them no matter what, then they know that I'm their father, that I am their father in a way that a piece of paper could never show because they experience me as their father. And friends, let me tell you, this is exactly what those people are experiencing that morning of Pentecost. They're experiencing the love of God, the Father for them. They're learning to know that love in their bones. They're learning to, to learn it, to, to lean into it. They're learning to live out of that love of the Father. 
And I want you to know that is exactly what the Spirit offers to everyone who is a follower of Jesus right now, right here, this morning. Jesus was crystal clear about it. <laughs> I will not leave you as orphans. So friends, you are not orphans. We are children of God. He is with you and he is for you. And he is for your good. And he is for your flourishing no matter what. And that is the spirit, that, that, that is the work of the spirit to bear witness to people like us, that that is true. And part of growing up as a Christian is, is learning to ask the spirit again and again to know that love and to experience that love and to learn from the spirit to live out of that love sure and strong for our whole lives. And in particular, when things are difficult, in particular, when we feel alone, in particular, when we suffer, that, that is another meaning, right? It's another meaning for, for, uh, of the Pentecost for people like us this morning. So then Luke tells us that they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And at some point, and Luke doesn't tell us exactly when it happened, but this group of people leave that house and they make their way through the streets of the city and they get to the temple where the pilgrims from all over the world have come to celebrate this Pentecost festival. And the racket, right, the racket that Luke says that, that the sound of, of, of whatever was happening to them, the sound of it, it draws that whole multitude around them. All of these pilgrims, they, they, they gather around these 120 and they are completely astonished and they are completely perplexed. They're bewildered because every one of them there, every, wherever they have come from on this earth, everyone is hearing one of the people from that house speak to them in their own native language. And I think one of the things that this moment has to say to us that has been reaffirming for us since the moment it happened is that God cares about and he moves to bring the nations, people from every place in this world, speaking to every culture, drawing people across a beautiful spectrum of color so that they know, they know without a doubt who it is that delights in them, who made them and loves them enough to rescue them from their greatest enemy. And friends, this, this moment is incredibly disruptive. It's incredibly challenging to all of, uh, all of the ways our hearts discriminate, all of the ways we bring down another simply because of their culture, their ethnic background, the way that they talk, even the cultural expressions of their faith. When we turn our diverse neighbors, we, when we turn towards our diverse neighbors in these violent and destructive ways, we're turning our face away from the very heart of God who has acted and is moving to bring people from every nation and tongue into his covenant family. Well, Luke tells us that they hear, tells us that they hear about the mighty works of God. It's a miracle and this crowd cannot make any sense out of it, right? Not, not least because they know that the people they are speaking, that, that, that are speaking to them 
are mostly from Galilee? <laughs> I mean, that's one of the questions they ask. Aren't, aren't these people Galileans? <laughs> now, that question, it might not mean much to us because we're so far removed from that world culturally, but here's what they're really asking about. Here's what they're really saying when they ask that question. Aren't these backwater people? Aren't these uneducated peasants? I mean, that's the question. Right? I can hardly understand them when they speak Aramaic or Hebrew. How, how can this be happening? I'll be honest, this is one of my favorite things about Pentecost. That the first Christians were uh, largely an uneducated, simple people. They did, they, uh, and they, they didn't hail, they, they hail from a dusty, third-rate, backwater part of the country because this is where Jesus was from. They did not have much, as the apostle Paul would later write. They did not have much to commend themselves. Not many of them were wise. Not many of them were powerful. Not many of them had a noble birth. And this, I mean, this is another meaning for Pentecost for people like you and me. It's a great reminder of how God gets things done in this world. God loves the foolish and the weak and the low. God loves the despised and the poor and the mourners and the meek. Friends, he consistently uses the nothings to topple the things that are supposed to be something in this world. I mean, here are a bunch of men and women and children from the backwater part of the country. The last 50 days have been nothing for them, if not completely confusing and unsettling. Right? These are not a, a people who had trained to do cultural contextualization, right? They're, these are not a people who had savvy politics. These were not a wealthy people who knew how to work the markets for their own good, right? In our modern way of thinking these were not people who were invited to do TED Talks, right? I mean, their leader, Peter, was this cowardly guy who had run away from Jesus when it mattered the most. That's who led them. And you know what? None of those facts, absolutely none of those facts become relevant in any important way because God is on the front edge of using those people, those Galileans, to turn the whole world upside down. The harvest is about to get insane beyond their wildest dreams. And that drama that is playing out in the courts of the temple is, is just the first fruits of an incredible harvest that will come all around them. All around them, they are going to see new life pop up out of nothing. People are going to hear from them that they can know God and be known by him, that he loves them, that he will forgive them. Sick people and widows are going to be cared for, and the hungry are going to be fed by those people. God's kingdom is going to grow all around them on earth as it is in heaven. And friends, it would be really a really big mistake to imagine that somehow God does his work differently now right, than he did then. I mean, here's how he works. By his spirit, he works in and through a people who are humble enough to learn how to pray and to wait for him. Because <laughs> the kingdom that he is building is his and not ours. 
God, by the power of the Spirit, works through a people that he loves with a furiosity that will, that will not be thwarted for any reason. He works by the power of his Spirit through a people who are learning every day to live strong and to live confidently in the love that the Father has for them. And God does this work in the world by the power of his Spirit through us, the church, the people of God. And I love, I, I love the epilogue to this story. <laughs> in the last verses that we read, because some of the, the people in this huge crowd, their minds are working overtime to create some meaning, right? To, to make sense out of this. They're, they're trying to answer, like, what does this mean? And they, they come up with this really, really cynical interpretation of what they're seeing. And that is that the first Christians, they just got to be drunk. I have no idea how that would explain what it was what it was that they were seeing, but it's interesting to consider. Right? And maybe their theory was that only people whose inhibitions had been sufficiently lowered, only people who were not quite thinking the way that they should would do stuff that is this strange. I mean, strange enough to be a people who talk with open hearts about sin and grace and redemption. Strange enough to be uh, uh, people who give their money away without strings attached. Strange enough to be a people who forgive the ones that nobody else wants to forgive. Strange enough to, to love their enemies and to care for the sick that no one will touch. And to love their neighbors with the, the same fervor with which they love themselves. Strange enough to give of themselves for the good of the world. And I, I don't know, but that sounds a lot like Jesus' life. And the life that he has made us for. And I think we ought to want to have what they are having. And by God's grace, because of Pentecost... Friends, we have it. The Spirit is ours in abundance, leading us in joy and in power. Let me pray. Father, would you give us whatever it is that we need this morning? Give us whatever it is that we need to cling to this truth, that, that you speak your love into us by the power of your Spirit, that by the power of your Spirit you give us joy, you give us power to live the life that we have been called to live. Help us to cling to this truth with, with everything we have. Help us to do it for our own good and for the good of this broken world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and join us in singing? Savior's dying man.
Father, you have sent us your spirit to be with us forever, to dwell in us, to renew us, and to show us what is true. Therefore, with great joy, we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we are invited by Christ to this table that he sets for us. And the good news that, that this table reminds us, it reminds us of those words that, of the work of the spirit that we are not orphans. We have not been cast aside. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's also sort of a, a, a space, it's a table that confronts every impulse, every dark corner of our hearts, right? That before Jesus, that even, even those who are sitting among him and around him, he knows, he's very aware of, of the ways in which they will make themselves orphans. They want to, to move away from him, to, to pursue their own goals, to pursue their own ambitions, or maybe it's just their outright fear. Fear of being with Christ in those, even those most intimate places. And yet he, he invites them into this table. He invites them as they are broken, uh, betrayers, deniers, people who will leave him in his most intimate of moment. And yet we, uh, as we come here today, we're reminded again that we are, are invited 
not because of what we've done, not because of that we've kept the law, not because we've done all of the good things, but because of Christ's grace for us. It's a table full of the lavish and the profound grace of God for us. So come, and if you believe in that, if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have in repentance and, and, and faith turned to him, then come and eat, be nourished and filled up by his grace. Father, we, we thank you for this bread and this wine. We ask that you would use it, you would set it apart. You would set it apart. Uh, you would use this bread and this wine uh, for a, set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one, and that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and this wine. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Well, if you're coming to receive the elements today, I invite you to come down the center aisle to receive both the, the, the bread and the cup. To go back on the sides, they ask that you would hold it so that uh, until everyone's been served so that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not coming for the elements today, you're still welcome to come forward. Just place your hand across your chest. Come, come to my line and offer a, a blessing for you. Uh, those who are serving may now come forward.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole, a seat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, having come to the table, let's stand together in response for a time of prayer and song and a time of confessing our faith. We give thanks to you, almighty God, for nourishing us in Christ. By your spirit, assure us that we belong to your family and are heirs of your everlasting kingdom. Help us to offer ourselves as holy and living sacrifices to reclaim the mystery of faith. our faith together. The Holy Spirit builds one church, united in one Lord and one hope, with one ministry around one table. The Spirit calls us all in belief, Jesus, to respond in worship together, to accept all the gifts from the Spirit, to learn from each other's traditions, to make unity visible on earth. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we turn now to our time uh, of giving and on offerings to God. If you'll notice, there is a, a pad under the seat closest to the center aisle. If you would uh, uh, fill that out, pass it down your row, uh, we would love to have a record of your visit. If you're new with us today, we just want to welcome you. Uh, we're really glad that you're uh, worshiping with us. Um, just a note, uh, I would love to get to know you more. There's a time after the service. Uh, we'll be meeting outside today. Usually we're over in the cafeteria about... We're going to take advantage of this really great weather and be outside over here by the, uh, the, the turf field. So please join us for that for a time of fellowship afterwards. Let's continue to worship God through the giving of our gifts and offerings.
Please join us for the singing of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. now God's blessing. Now may the, God, may the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.